Cicero, the embodiment of Roman political power. Today, here we have me, Gunnar Chandler, Kalisha McWilliams, and Robert Ammons. Marcus Tullius Cicero was born in 106 BC into a wealthy family of Apernum, southeast of Rome. His family held no prior political positions or prestige, making him a novus homo, or new man, once he entered the political scene. This title gave him a lack of initial influence and prestige, but through his early years he was building his Roman male virtus. Cicero served a minor military role in the social war. Some new men used military leaderships to gain consulships, but Cicero relied solely on his oratory skills. He mainly gained political influence by his career as a lawyer. This way into politics has remained popular since his time. Almost half of the U.S. presidents started off their political careers as lawyers, such as FDR, Abe Lincoln, and Andrew Jackson. He became known through several prosecutions. His most notable prosecution was the conviction of the governor of Sicily, Gaius Weris, in 70 for extortion. His prestige as an attorney and then as an orator opened doors into politics. Nearly all consuls in the past hundred years had come from the partition class, the wealthy nobility. Members of these families were born into eligibility for political office while everyone outside of these families was not. Before Cicero, it had been 30 years since the last Novus Homo was consul. As time went on, a wider array of citizens made their way into office. Cicero's brother Quintus writes, A man who has been considered worthy to defend ex-consuls can hardly be thought unworthy of the consulate. Your reputation as an excellent speaker, that is where you begin. Cicero was advised to first practice oration and then apply those skills as an, an attorney for the ex-consuls. Like today, deals in Roman politics were constantly made where one politician performed a favor, ergo, a favor was owed in return. Lawyers were forbidden to be paid for representing a client. This meant that they must be repaid in another way. This is the client-patron relationship that so much of Roman politics relied on. Quintus emphasized to always be the one owed a favor, not vice versa. He says, make them understand those who are in your debt will never have another opportunity to pay you back, and those who have goodwill toward you will never have another opportunity to put you in their debt. Like this quote suggests, if someone is successfully defending politicians from prosecution, he will become highly connected in the world of politics. We see these types of politicians in modern times. The majority of all U.S. presidents either served in the military, such as Andrew Jackson, JFK, and George Bush Sr., or started out their careers as lawyers, such as Thomas Jefferson, William Taft, and Richard Nixon. These men, like Cicero, relied on strong oratory skills. Being an experienced orator was important for being a lawyer and important to ancient Roman masculinity. Based on Anthony Corbeil's assessment of Cicero's education, Rome had no formal way of gaining an education that we know of in oratory or otherwise. Rather, one would have to work under other orators who have mastered the craft and try to build upon skills the observer witnessed. 
emulating other great orators of their time. Of course, this is an addition to learning to read and write at home, whether it was through household slaves, many of whom were Greek, or through familial education. education. For philosophical and historical texts, one would have to have connections with people who had their own libraries of texts and read those. Other options were to be educated overseas. Greece was a spectacular place for such activities. Cicero spent a lot of his early years in Greece, gaining an education like other youths of means of his time. Cicero gained knowledge from one of his other teachers, Archias, whom we know of because he will defend Archias's Roman citizenship later in life. After his education and practice as a lawyer, he moved on to politics. As a lawyer, Marcus Cicero gained political ties and insights that helped him later on. Boatwright refers to Cicero as a skilled electioneer, insinuating that he had some magic hand or influence in politics of some sort. Cicero is also portrayed as being an excellent speechwriter and orator, but where did he obtain these skills? Roman men were expected to have the typical Roman male virtus, oration, military glory, or stoicism. Cicero gained these skills through interactions and conversations with politicians. These insights are laid out in his brother's handbook. He used them throughout his life to improve his position and the position of others when he was unable to progress. Cicero's political ideal of the consensus of all good men probably came from his brother Quintus Cicero, who wrote Running for Office, a handbook. This handbook was written by Quintus Cicero for his older brother Marcus Cicero, our Cicero, um, or anyone who desires to run an organized campaign but it encompassed much more than just organization. Written in early 64 BC, before Cicero rose to the position of consul in 63 BC. Anthology of sources emphasized the irony of Quintus Cicero writing to his older brother, Marcus. Why would it be that Cicero needed anyone's help, especially a younger sibling's aid? The handbook for running for office permits readers to understand the personal side of politics during Roman time. Quintus is aware of the shortcomings of being a new man and gives advice to help him prevail. Your reputation as an excellent speaker, that is where you begin. Prepare for each and every case as if your entire reputation is on the line. Quintus is emphasizing the need to be a good orator, which is an attribute of prestigious Roman men. Later, Quintus mentions that oration skills will help aid one to persuade others to their side permitting greater numbers and variety. Quintus also notes that one must have plentiful and variety of friends, with special emphasis on the nobles and ex-consuls because the new man is attempting to infiltrate their ranks. Ergo, he must be welcome and not considered an outsider. Quintus states that Marcus already has the backing of the Publicani, Equestrian Order, and entire groupings, due to prior defense of each class or group. Quintus wants Marcus to use the prior favors to gain greater support to solidify his seat as consul. This can be compared to How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is a book by Daniel Carnegie. This is another example, but newer, displaying the archetype of schmoozing in politics. Both Quintus and Carnegie emphasize remembering names and appealing to interests, displaying it as a tried and true method still used today. 
Within the handbook, there are also references to the level or extent of pettiness within politics. In order to stay trustworthy to your base, Quintus urges his brother not to err in public as one of his competitors had by openly living with a girlfriend which they had bought from a slave auction. Quintus's peace is put into action through Cicero in the Catiline conspiracy. What was it? Cicero discovered a plot hatched by Catiline to take Etruria with the help of Gaius Manlius, burn Rome, and assassinate key senators. Cicero, Cicero beat out Catiline for consul in 63 BC with Gaius Antonius, Antonius Hybrida as co-consul. Catiline ran for consul again in 62 BC, put it, putting himself deep into debt trying to buy votes. Catiline lost for a second time and faced bankruptcy, further hurting his public re reputation. Catiline was hoping to win and cancel debts, which was a relatively common practice to help the people and most of all himself. Though this hurt Catiline's conservative support since they were the ones who held many of said debts Catiline wanted to cancel. Cicero made it no secret that he both disliked and distrusted Catiline. For example, Cicero came to, when Cicero came to vote, he wore a breastplate and had a bodyguard attend with him. This led to Catiline uh, to believe that his loss can be attributed to Cicero. With his debts breathing down his neck, Catiline looked for other means to seize power and save himself from financial ruin. Cicero made it his mission to attack Catiline's character at every chance to further hurt his reputation. Cicero accused. Uh, this is seen through Cicero's speeches on the matter, one of which Catiline was present at, at the speech when Cicero publicly assailed him in front of the Senate as consul, some of whom were targets of said conspiracy. Cicero is quoted, In the name of heaven, Catalina, how long do you propose to exploit our patience? Do you really suppose that our... Your lunatic activities are going to escape our retaliation forevermore? Are there no limits to this audacious, uncontrollable swaggering? Further down, he states, A little while ago, you walked into the Senate. Here was this large gathering of members. Here were many friends and relatives of your own. And yet, out of all of these men, which one offered you a single word of greeting? Within all human memory, no one else has been treated in such a way. And then even further down, he states, And then again, when you arrived inside the Senate, every seat anywhere near your own was promptly vacated as soon as you took your own place. All the former consuls, whom you have repeatedly marked down for assassination, left that entire er area of seats unoccupied and empty. There is a lot of question as to whether or not the Senate really believed Cicero's accusations before he acquired any real evidence of conspiracy. Cicero would later gain said evidence he needed and arrested five of the conspirators. What was to be done with the conspirators was left to the Senate to debate until they came to the conclusion that execution would be the best course of action. Cicero carried out the sentence immediately, which garnered him opposition because the executions were conducted before the conspirators could have their f a fair trial. 
This helped contribute to some of Caesar's popularity as as he was against Cicero, Cicero's execution of Catilinarian supporters. Caesar, although not directly stated, is speculated to have supported Catiline in his first attempt at the consulship along with Crassus. Crassus is where Catiline got a lot of capital for bribing for votes. In the end of his first attempt, he lost by a narrow margin. As illustrated by Quintus's piece, Cicero worked at gaining a reputation among his supporters and hurting his adversary's reputation. Cicero actively puts Catiline's reputation into question all through his first consular election and through his second, where his reputation was severely crippled. The death of Julius Caesar and the power struggle that followed was a critical moment in Cicero's life. In the time of Caesar's assassination, Cicero was on the side of the conspirators. He felt his duty was to the Senate, maintaining the constitution and integrity of the Republic. He saw Caesar as dictator to be a great threat to everything he stood for. Letters between Brutus and Cicero were preserved and offer valuable insight into the situation at the time. At the beginning of his letter to Brutus, he says about Julius Caesar, A great pest has been removed by your means, a great blot on the Roman people wiped out. He applauds Brutus, the most notorious of the assassins, as a hero of the state, one who performed a great service to Rome. The letters revolve around the struggle for power after Caesar's death. At the time of the assassination, Mark Antony was Caesar's fellow consul. Antony called a meeting of the Senate two days after the assassination, where he gained support for a measure wherein no action would be taken against the assassins, but all of Caesar's measures and appointments were still valid. This was meant to grant something to both sides and avoid drastic measures, but was taken by Cicero and the Senate as a move against their cause. In a way, it was a move against them because it kept them from taking complete control. The assassination had been an attempt by the Senate to restore its former power. Antony kept this from happening by keeping Caesar's measures valid. It also kept the road paved for another dictator. Caesar's funeral led to a massive outcry of the citizens against the assassins. Antony encouraged the people in this reaction. This was the reason that Brutus and Cassius fled eastward from Rome. This makes it likely that Cicero was correct in seeing Antony as an adversary. Cicero and the Senate wanted to do everything they could to ensure that the Senate gained control and that liberty was restored. His letters show that he sees it as a crucial fork in the road for the Republic. He says, There has been no civil war of all that have occurred in the state within my memory, in which there was not certain to be some form of constitution remaining, whichever of the two sides prevailed. In this war, if we are conquered, there will certainly never be any constitution. This shows that Cicero didn't see Octavian as a threat to his cause, but as an ally. He calls Octavian the boy and didn't expect him to pull the political moves and gain the power that he did. He describes to Brutus how he bestowed great honors on Octavian by protecting the state from Mark Antony. He was obviously more worried about Antony and Lepidus. He says of them, An engine for exercising kingly power has been put into the hands of Lepidus and Antony of whom the former was the more fickle of the two, the latter the more corrupt, but both were, both of whom dreaded peace and were enemies to quiet. He says of Octavian, This young Caesar, thanks to whom we still exist, 
was a stream from the fountainhead of my policy. One wonders how Cicero could be oblivious to the possibility of Octavian taking Caesar's place. Maybe he sided with the lesser of two evils, not seeing a young man as a threat to the Senate. In Brutus's letter corresponding to Cicero, he disagrees with giving so much honor to Octavian. Brutus writes, When you express your gratitude to Octavius in such detail of adulation, you should recommend our lives to him. Also recommend to him the daggers with which we stabbed his uncle. He says that they are laying down the fasces of the empire at the feet of a boy. Brutus could see from a distance what was about to happen, but Cicero, in the middle of everything, had to choose a side. Today we talked about one of the most famous ancient political figures who lived during a volatile time of the late Roman Republic. He was highly influential during this time and continues to have an impact on political tactics and strategies today.